Welcome to the post Narc Life Podcast. It's time to leave behind the narcissist narrative and build an amazing life that you love. You got through, but you're not done. We're going to build your next level of wealth, create healthy relationships, find deep self-connection to expand your unique impact on this world, and leave behind a legacy of love. I'm your host, Laura, by the way. I've been there. I get it. And I've got you. Let's go build your post-NARC life. Hello and good afternoon. Happy Monday. It's Monday, February 6th, and I am so excited to be back in the studio chatting with you amazing folks. As I'm sure some of y'all know, I have been going through some things. I've been kind of on a journey. I've been reevaluating a lot of relationships in my life. I've been reevaluating how I show up in my life, in my business, my goals, reevaluating who it is that I want to be and how I want to achieve the things that I want to achieve. And y'all, this is a journey. I am figuring a lot of things out and I am excited to take you with me. <laughs> you might see some interesting changes here coming up soon. But for now, I want to talk today a little bit about emotional maturity. Being an emotionally mature person, and this is coming from somebody who is still working on this, okay? It's really fascinating. I've learned so much. I've changed so much. I've, I've created a lot of true growth in myself over the several decades. And so it's really fascinating to find points in my existence, in my approach to things, how I respond to things that are not in line with the things that I've worked on that I've created. It's really interesting to be able to see, for example, I've worked really hard to grow my emotional maturity and every once in a while something will come up where it's like, yeah, I did not show up in a very emotionally mature way, <laughs> which isn't to say that the goal is to become perfectly emotionally mature. Like that's not the point, but sometimes I'm like, man, that is definitely a narc tendency. And I have got to work on that. <laughs> it is not always fun to see that about oneself, but as I'm sure you are an expert at because you've been listening to all of the podcasts, you know that if we ever do find narc tendencies within ourselves, number one, we have compassion because that is how we were raised, literally how we were raised. If you have narcissist parents, obviously, if you haven't had narc parents and you find yourself in a lot of narcissist relationships, we need to have a conversation because there's a reason why you're getting into all these relationships and it may not necessarily be the fault of your parents, but there's something going on there. Anyway, I have been finding ways this week and this month and this year, however long you want to look at it, I've been working on emotional maturity. So I want to talk a little bit about kind of my journey with that, what that looks like and what it might look like for you if it's useful for you. Emotional maturity, let's talk about what that means. Emotional maturity means that you are a, an emotionally responsible adult. Emotional, another way to talk about this is emotional adulthood, but I like emotional maturity because I, I see it as just an ongoing process, but I guess like adulthood, it's still ongoing. You know, you, we, we look at adulthood as, well, the second you turn 18, you are legally an adult. 
but emotional adulthood does not suddenly appear poof on your 18th birthday. Believe me. <laughs> I'm sure anyone listening can also agree with that, that we were not hundred percent mature at 18 years old. Now, some of us have been matured early just because of the need to survive. And some of us, our narcissist parents were so emotionally immature that we had to compensate with maturity um, as a child in lots of different ways. So I want to acknowledge that that's a thing. However, if there is no work done there, there is a little bit of risk if you find yourself having overcompensated for the immaturity of your parents, that there might be some places in which you are immature that just haven't been examined yet. Again, that's not to say let's go looking for all the problems or anything like that. But if you're here, you are working on yourself and that's really, really important. And so just keeping your eyes peeled for anything that might happen there. Emotional maturity is about being the emotional adult, which means that you are responsible for your own emotions, that you understand the lessons of adulthood, things like discipline, things like delayed gratification, things like taking responsibility, not blaming other people, things that we've talked about this whole time that I haven't actually articulated as emotional maturity, but that we've been working on, you know, looking at your thoughts and emotions, being responsible for them, managing them, asking yourself really important questions, making decisions from a responsible place instead of from the here and now, getting out of survival mode and into a sense of calm. Uh, a, a person who can responsibly respond to an emergency situation is more is further along on that adult scale. Okay, now I want to talk a little bit about emotional childhood because I think it's really fascinating to look at. I think I was talking with a, a client the other day about emotional childhood and how, you know, ch- actual children are, are like little narcissists. They just are. Now, we don't call them narcissists because they're not intentionally doing that. They're actually just children and their brains haven't developed into adulthood yet. So obviously, I would never call a child a narcissist. But when you really look at emotional childhood and what narcissism is, they, they're actually the same thing. And really narcissism kind of bleeds into, well, what's distinguished as narcissism is that there are emotionally harmful tools being used and a child doesn't know what's harmful and what's not harmful. So there's no intention there. Although a lot of people will ask if there's a lot of intention with a narcissist and that's a hard question to answer too, because I mean, how can you evaluate intention when people are acting from fight or flight? At least that's my opinion. Anyway, so children can sometimes be a really great analysis for narcissism because what they do is they are in a hundred percent survival mode. They have no emotional adulthood, or at least they're not quite getting there. They're trying to get there, but you know, they, it takes a while to develop and children just only know what's in front of them. And what's really fascinating about children (laughs) is that they are naturally happy all the time, barring any sort of like constant emotional and physical abuse. They usually just pick up from highly stressful situations, move on with their lives and are generally pretty happy. At least that's what I've seen. That's how I used to be as a kid. And I've seen my kids and I've seen other kids. They're generally speaking pretty happy because they just aren't aware. They're just so blissfully unaware of these stresses of life, 
of adulthood, of all the things that you and I stress about that we are struggling with, they are very happy with their toys or their video games or with spending time with the adult that they care about. Now, obviously they complain sometimes and, you know, they don't always get what they want and things like that. But in terms of emotional stability, at least that I've seen, it's actually pretty fascinating how stable they are emotionally. And with a narcissist person who is an emotional child, it would be like taking that child and putting it into an adult's body and then dealing with all of the stressors of an adult life. That child would not be emotionally stable. That child would not be happy. That child would be freaking out all of the time. And that isn't to say, oh, we should feel sorry for narcissists. No, that's not what I'm saying. But really, when you're dealing with a narcissist, you're dealing with a child in an adult's body and they have expectations about how you should act. They have expectations about how people should be managing their emotions because they don't know how to manage their own emotions. So an emotional adult is somebody who manages their own emotions. And it doesn't look like shoving it down. It doesn't look like ignoring them completely. It looks like, okay, whew, I am feeling a lot of anger right now. I'm going to go take care of myself so that I don't say something that I will regret or do something to harm someone else. That's what an emotional adult does. Or when you're feeling sad or when you're feeling anxious or when you're feeling out of control, are we perfect at executing emotional adulthood all the time? No, that is not the purpose. That's not the point. But generally speaking, a healthy emotional adult is probably not going to be emotionally abusive to the people around them. That's just not how that works because they don't need it. They don't need emotional abuse. They don't need to emotionally abuse others to feel better about themselves and to manage their emotional needs. And they just don't need it because they're, all, they're naturally fulfilled. So emotional maturity is about feeling a natural fulfillment in life because you are responsible for yourself as much as you possibly can. And again, that doesn't mean that you never rely on other people emotionally. Obviously, if you're in a healthy marriage, please rely on your spouse occasionally for some emotional support or a family member that you trust or a, a friend that you trust or, you know, a professional, a therapist or a coach, somebody in your life who you can rely on when your emotional adulthood stores are not there, when they've been spent. It's okay to rely on other people is what I'm saying. But we want to be in emotional adulthood as often as possible so that our lives can feel a lot more emotionally stable. We can manage ourselves. We can be there for the ones that we care about, including our own children who need help and support being becoming emotional adults. So I'll tell you a little bit about how I have learned and grown in my ability to be emotionally mature. It's still an ongoing process, you know, full disclosure. I am not the end all be all <laughs> person with perfect emotional maturity a hundred percent of the time. That's not the case, but I do want to tell you kind of how I have come to know emotional maturity and sort of aspire to that in different aspects of my life. So when I was first married, I mean, none of us are hundred percent emotionally mature when we're first married. I mean, that's just reality and that's okay. That's not a problem, but it's just been really fascinating for me to experience emotional maturity over time. And especially in the background of having narcissists in my life and how rough that was in terms of really reevaluating, okay, I came from this. I thought this was okay. I thought this was what, how people lived and what life should be. And now I'm in this new situation and it looks definitely not like it used to. So for example, when we were first married, a lot of the time I would 
say weird stuff. I would probably try to guilt my husband into things. And it wasn't because I was evil and because I was trying to hurt him emotionally. It was because I was trying to get things that I wanted. I was just trying to get things I wanted. And I didn't know how to get things that I wanted. And so uh, emotional maturity is about knowing how to get the things that you want without manipulating other people. That's, that's emotional maturity. (laughs) That is not easy, especially when you've been raised like this. And this is something that I've been dealing with as well in my recent interaction, you know, last month, there was a lot of that going on. There was a lot of that I hadn't seen before a lot of me being treated in a certain way where that person was just trying to get something. They were trying to get some need met and they believed that by pushing certain of my buttons, creating certain emotions in my body, that they would get that need met. And it was just really fascinating to see and experience that like in real time. And then I hadn't experienced it in a while. So yeah, I would, I would do stuff like that. And the way that I got out of that was number one, just seeing it. It took me a while to see it and nobody could really tell me. And I'm sure people tried to tell me, I'm sure like that was a thing that people were trying to tell me about myself and I wasn't listening. And it's very hard for someone to listen (laughs) in this situation because of the needs that are in the way. When you really feel like you're in lack, when you feel like you're fight or flight or scarcity is triggered, then it's not going to be easy for you to listen to whatever is outside of you that's trying to help you be more mature and approach this in a more mature way because you're in that fight or flight. And it might not even be massive trigger. It's just a slight trigger because it's like, no, 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 this is a a need. You know, I need basic shelter. I need food. I need money. I need love, unconditional love. I, I need support or I need whatever emotional need that you're having and you feel in s- extreme lack about it. It's not going to be easy to pause and be like, am I responding in the most mature way here? No, that's not going to be available to you, at least not as available as it would be if you were not in so much lack, right? So I think the number one thing to look at when you're evaluating your emotional maturity is to look at, okay, where am I feeling a lot of lack? Where am I feeling like some basic needs aren't being met? And again, this is not about berating yourself. This is not about calling yourself. I'm so emotionally mature. Like this is not about beating yourself up. This is just on our path to personal development as we are growing, learning the lessons, changing, becoming and evolving into the next version of ourselves that we want to be, or at least that's what I want to do. You know, you don't have to do that if you don't want to. I'm going to pause here for a second and talk a little bit about ambition. (laughs) I'm a really ambitious person, turns out. And that's something that I've had to wrestle with for many years now, especially as a business owner. I've had some very high ambitions when it comes to my business. And sometimes it's an accelerator and sometimes it's a massive roadblock. And so I am, have always been ambitious. I always want to go for the gold. It could be my narcissist upbringing that I just need to be a high achiever. That could be a thing. It could be that I just get so excited by big, wonderful things because I do. I just get so excited about just 
the possibilities and how far you can go. And I really want to explore the limits. I want to explore my own limits. I want to explore the limits of possibility. I want to take advantage of life and really grow and change and achieve as much as I possibly can in life. I don't want to waste any of my time or my energy or, or the gift that we have to be on this earth. And so those are just some thoughts that I have. I'm not saying that there are better thoughts than other people might have. It's just what naturally occurs to me. But sometimes that can be an issue. It can really get in the way of the things that I'm trying to create. But other times it propels me forward. It helps me to come out of the ruts that I get myself in. Because I've battled depression. I've battled the effects of ADHD and kind of my brain and how it's not necessarily very neurotypical processes can sometimes create massive overwhelm and all kinds of unpleasant side effects that I, that I struggle with on a regular basis. And so my ambition can be a tool to help me ask myself, okay, how can I be better? How can I grow from this? How can I evolve into the next version of myself and change and improve and keep trying and keep going and never giving up? I really value that about myself, but I also acknowledge sometimes it's limitations. <laughs> and, the, and the reason why I bring this up is because I'm just self-driven in this way for those reasons, but you don't have to be if you don't want to. I can sometimes be very exhausted by my own ambition. <laughs> and so when I say all of this and I offer these things to you about emotional maturity and evolving into the next version of yourself, this is about what it is that you want. So if you are on board with becoming even better and changing and growing and taking advantage of this time you have on the earth and you want to become more emotionally mature as part of that, by all means, let's go. But if you're just like, you know what? I'm tired. I just want to live my life. Then go live your life. It's great. I just wanted to give you that option in case, you know, you're beating yourself up or you're trying to push yourself into doing you don't something you don't necessarily want to do. Because sometimes that happens. Those of us who are raised by narcissists can sometimes push ourselves tremendously to do things we don't actually want to do, but we feel like we have to do. And it's very much a survival mechanism. So in case that's happening to you, I just kind of want to want to point that out. But emotional maturity is about you acknowledging, okay, I have this need and this need got in the way of this thing I'm trying to do. And I'm going to go be responsible and manage this need. I'm going to, I'm going to be an adult about this. And listen, that is not easy to do, especially when you've been in lack for a really long time, when you've been raised by or dealt with narcissists because they want to keep you in lack. Narcissists love to keep you in lack because, because you're so much more easy to manipulate when you are in fight or flight. So they abandon you. They deprive you of things that you want through things like abandonment, right? Or a lot of my clients deal with husbands or ex-husbands who withhold money as a, as a means to, to manipulate them. And it's just, I mean, it's just really sad that that's happening, first of all. But second of all, when I look at women like that, I don't feel sorry for them. I feel sad that they're going through that, but I don't feel sorry for them because I know what they're capable of. I know how capable they are. Any woman who is in a situation with a a man, for example, or a spouse who is manipulating them using money and taking and withdrawing money from them so that they will feel triggered. This woman does not know her own power. She's an adult woman 
and she has the power to become financially independent. Now, is it going to happen at the snap of a finger and you're going to be perfectly financially independent the the minute you decide to be? No, it's going to take some strategy. It's going to take some patience and some time. But so many of the time, or so much of the time, women are in this position of a vulnerability financially. And thankfully, we live in a world now where that is optional. You don't have to be in that position. We choose to be in that position for great reasons. We trust our spouse. We want to raise our kids. We want to be homemakers. We want to be responsible for the home, which is a massive job. I mean, we need we need people who make those choices because home management is its own full-time job, y'all. It's its own full-time job. And there's a lot of women who choose to do that as their full-time job. And it's great and it's perfect. And there's a lot of women who don't. And it's also great and perfect for them too. The job gets done. How you get it done doesn't really matter as long as it gets done. And it doesn't have to be done perfectly. Home management is not about keeping everything spick and span 100% of the time and manage everything perfectly. You know, do do y'all watch Downton Abbey? I think I'm like, gosh, into my into the second or third season. This is my third round, I think. Second or third round. When I find a show, I like to watch it over and over again. So Downton Abbey is one of my shows, and 30 Rock is one of my shows. I think I've watched 30 Rock all the way through at least four or five times, at least. I just, I don't know why. I just love it so much. New Girl is another one of my shows that I watch all the way through. It's just great. You just find your shows. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Maybe it's an ADHD ADHD thing to just like rewatch shows over and over. I don't know. But it just, it's very comforting. (laughs) It's anyway, so Downton Abbey. I I thought about Downton Abbey because they have an entire staff to manage the home. And that staff is very meticulous at what they do. And the house is perfectly clean all of the time and all of the inventory and and utensils and, and meals and everything is run really tip top shape, tip top level, you know, down to dressing the people who live in the home, which is totally not hundred percent necessary for all of us. I'm sure there are plenty of us in the world who have that, but for the vast majority of us, someone dressing us is not typically available (laughs) or even wanted. Why, Why would we need that? Anyway, I digress. I'm going off on a tangent here. My point is if you have, if you're managing a home and you chose to manage a home and you chose that your spouse is the provider those are great choices. It's, it's perfectly fine. But a lot of times we, uh, with, through no intention of our own, find ourselves in a situation where the provider that we've chosen is someone who, who intentionally holds, withholds money to manage his or her emotional needs. And I just want to validate that if you are in that situation, it's not your fault. You are not a bad person for making those choices and you have the power to become financially independent if that is what you want. I've seen it happen over and over again. And if you need that help, then that's what we're here for. That's what I'm here for. That's what so many other professionals are out there for. This is an amazing time to be a woman who has a lot of choices and can become financially independent on her own. Anyway, that's a, that's a tangent today. (laughs) But part of that is becoming and taking on that emotional maturity to decide that I am the arbiter of the experience of my life. So even though you choose, let's say you choose to be a stay at home mom, a home manager, whatever you want to call it, you don't have the 
go out and earn money career. You have the be at home, manage the home, manage the children, manage the family career, which is a very valid and very difficult career, right? So let's just validate that. If you choose to do that, you still have to be an emotional adult. You still have to learn emotional maturity lessons. And so you don't want to be the kind of person who, if you've been raised by narcissists and you have chosen this line of work and you don't have to go out and earn money and you don't have to manage your own finances or whatever that looks like for you, you're managing other things. It doesn't make it less valuable that you do those things, but you want to be really cognizant of, am I showing up as an emotional adult in this situation? And when you choose that lifestyle, absolutely that requires emotional adulthood and you can become an emotional adult regardless of how you were raised and regardless of whatever career that you've chosen. But sometimes a narcissist in that situation will take advantage. They will take advantage and say, I'm in charge of this. I only can be in charge of the money. I am controlling the money because I'm the only one that's quote the adult about it or whatever they say to you. And then you feel like you're in an inferior position, like you're dependent, like a child would be. I've seen this over and over and it's not appropriate. It's not appropriate for you to feel like a child in your partnership relationship, not appropriate. That person might be bringing home the, the monetary finances but that person is not a provider for you in the sense that they're like a father, right? They provide for the provisions of the home for sure, but that doesn't mean that they have the right to be the emotional adult or, you know, the, the, the power imbalance there of they provide all the money. So you have to do X, Y, Z. So I want to make that very, very clear that if you find yourself caught in that situation, (laughs) Sorry, you know, you can hear my daughter in the background. (laughs) I hope it's okay that you can hear her in the background. I'm not going to edit it out because this is life. This is just what life is. And being a mom is all about being flexible and having wonderful little voices in your life. Anyway, (laughs) I guess what I'm trying to say is I was in that situation, not necessarily a situation where my husband was trying to control me with money, but I expected that situation. It was really strange. I really expected the situation where... I would be sort of the child in the relationship. I didn't want to be that. I didn't intend to be that, but it, it happened because I didn't know. I didn't know what to expect that I was just really purely running on instinct at that time in my life because I was still learning how to mature. And so instinct dictated that I was being provided for that. I didn't have to show up as an emotional adult. I could just let him do that work and that if I had it, if I had needs that needed to be met, I should show up as the emotional child and act like a child would when they have needs. And so my work has been to learn how to manage my own emotional needs and to relate to my partner in a way where we are equal emotional adults. That is not easy work. It's taken a lot of humility It's taken a lot of self-reflection because I can't control how he shows up and I can't control how his journey in life is in terms of his personal development. So it's, it's all about looking at myself and noticing, okay, where did I show up in lack? And why did I think that saying this thing in this way was going to get this need met? 
And listen, I'm going through this regularly. Like right now I'm going through it. (laughs) That's why I can talk about it so easily because I'm asking myself these questions right now about certain things in my life, even in my partnership as a mom, as a business owner. It's amazing. Running a business is less about becoming financially, you know, whatever you want financially. I I thought running a business was about making money and (laughs) serving the world, but really running a business is just another mirror that you put up to yourself that shows you where all your work is. That's what, that's what a business is. Let me tell you. Anyway, that's maybe that's just me. I don't know. It doesn't ever, doesn't necessarily have to be you, but that's there. That's where I'm at. So you want to create emotional maturity for yourself through asking yourself the tough questions, looking at your emotions, managing your emotions, looking at where your lack is showing up for you and then taking responsibility to manage all of that. That doesn't mean you never ask for help. Asking for help is part of managing your self and being an emotional adult. Adults ask for help all the time. The thing about emotional maturity is about saying, I am responsible for this and I am, and I am outsourcing, delegating it to you because, or are asking you, not necessarily outsourcing and delegating it without that person's permission, but I'm asking for help because I see my limits here and I want to grow, but ultimately it's up to me to get this help. It's up to me. And if this help is not available over here with this person, that's fine. It's still my responsibility. I'm going to find another place to where I can, I can get that help. Whereas the emotionally immature or narcissistic way to look at that is to be, is to demand that help from somebody else, regardless of whether or not it's available and put it all on that person. You make it that person's responsibility when you ask for that person's help. And if for whatever reason they can't help, then you do all of the nasty things to them like guilt and shame and try to manipulate them into getting this emotional need met when it's not available. So that's the, that's the narcissist way of doing it. But asking for help in the emotionally mature way is asking for it, you know, obtaining consent or whatever, or availability, whatever's there. And if it is available, great, you receive the help all the while knowing that your the responsibility lies with you. And if it's not available, you lovingly let it go and move on and try to find that from another location within the the confines and the limits of the of the standards that you've set for yourself. So that's emotional maturity. It really boils down to a really basic definition of I manage my own needs. I'm aware of my needs and I do the responsible things to manage them because I am responsible for them. So really getting clear on what your emotional needs are, where you're in lack, because when you find the the lack, the desperation or the fight or flight or the trigger for a lack of emotional need being met, you're likely going to find a way in which you might be showing up in an emotionally immature way. And again, this is not to be judgmental of yourself, but it's just to, if this is something you want to achieve, if you want to grow in your emotional maturity, this is what you do and this is how you look at it. All right. So that's what I have for you today. I hope you're having an amazing day, an amazing week. I'm cranking out these podcast episodes. Y'all have had a lot to say, but I had to take a month off, I guess. (laughs) That's just, that's just how I work. Apparently I just have to take some time off and then it sort of just builds up because I, continually have lots and lots to say, but my brain just 
can't process it during that time because of high fight or flight, whatever, this is just the way that it is. We'll, we'll see. I'm, <laughs> I'm learning a lot about business and about showing up and about how I connect and relate to my people. So thank you for being with me on this journey. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for listening. I'm so grateful for you. I hope you have an amazing day and we'll see you really soon. Bye.